We got some trouble brewing in Milwaukee. Danger, 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 alert, alert, as the Milwaukee Bucks fall to the Chicago Bulls in a... Uh, the the Bucks did not look themselves again, just like they uh, did on game one. A little sloppy. Rowdy, the game started with the Bucks three straight turnovers in your own home court at the Pfizer Forum. Three straight turnovers. DeMar DeRozan was just insane. A career playoff high, 41 points. The Bucks would lose, what, Bobby? Bobby Portis got blasted in the face and then in the first half, and then... Chris Middleton would leave midway through the fourth with a sprained, which turned out to be a sprained MCL. They'll check the severity of it today. But yes, the Bucks fall one fourteen to one ten. The series now one apiece. What the hell was going on last night for the Milwaukee Bucks? Just not the yeah. And I kind of regret saying that yesterday after <laughs> well yesterday and after they won game one, talking about how the Bucks played pretty bad. Yeah, but still found a way to beat the Bulls. And I said, "There's they can only go anywhere but I up, go, right?" It's looking like I might change my prediction from Bucks and five to Bucks and four because I don't know if the Bucks could play much worse. Yeah. Well, they figure out a way to play just a little bit worse and allow the Chicago Bulls, who did play better than they did in Game One, win a close one, one fourteen to one ten. But but Chris Middleton now on the shelf with a sprained MCL. Yep, sprained MCL. That's not good for. Uh, but did the Bucks. Middleton do anything in that game besides turn the basketball over? <laughs> outside of he had like he had like he no, had he a, had the third quarter. Yeah, he was good for three point land. He was five of seven. I think he scored thirteen out of his eighteen points in the third quarter, and other than that, did absolutely nothing. Yeah, he woke up in the third, and then halfway through the fourth, he was done. The the Bucks. The Bucks as a whole, man. I mean, Giannis is Giannis. I understand that. Um, that well, was just not a good thing. game. It was the same thing, but even worse down the stretch because Middleton got hurt. Yeah, Middleton and Drew Holiday turning the basketball over. They combined for ten turnovers yesterday. It was it was brutal, man. It was it was just a brutal performance. And what you know, Rowdy. Usually you don't go against what you, Rowdy. Last time you went against what you said, it was uh, for the the Razor's Edge a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Dave Essler, our gambler of the stars, talked you into an opposite of what you're thinking, and you lost the bet because of it. And then yesterday you said, "Well, I was thinking maybe Bucks and four, and your initial pick was Bucks and five. I, I don't think I don't think you can go against what you say, Rowdy, because now all of a sudden bad things happen because the Bucks. I mean, they lost. The game was terrible. Here, let me, let me list the top three players that were positive and plus minus for the Bucks last night in order of uh, who was who was most important, I guess, for plus minus when it comes to the Bucks when they were on the court. Number one. Number one, Javon Carter, plus six. <laughs> number, number two. Number two, Pat Connaughton, plus two. Number three, Giannis Atindacumbo, plus one. Yeah. Everybody else, while they were on the floor, Not good. the Bucks were negative. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> Javon I like, Carter. I like how we were like bagging. We weren't bagging on him. We were just saying, like, who, like, this guy looks like he's not destined to be too many minutes on the court. He only had nine. Plus six. But yeah, I mean, DeMar DeRozan was absolutely unstoppable for the Bulls. This dude, DeMar DeRozan was nice. He was everywhere. 41 points, the career playoff high for him. And then going back and forth, it was like Vukovic would hit a shot. Yeah. Then Brooke Lopez would hit a shot. And neither one felt like they wanted to play defense against the other. No. I know Brooke Lopez did have a block or two here and there. Oh, I hope so. He's and, like seven feet tall. But yeah, it, it really did feel like they were kind of like letting each other hang out on the perimeter. Yeah. Like, all right, if you score around. this one, you give me an open shot next. Yeah. All right. All right. You do this, then I'll do that. So yes, the Bucks now down in a, or not in a hole. Sorry. They're tied one apiece. They go to Chicago now coming up here uh, on Friday for this little affair at the United Center. So we'll see what happens with Chris Middleton. I'm not I'm not I don't have too much hope for Chris Middleton. Well, Chris Middleton now injured with the sprained MCL, but look at what the Bucks bench. I know George Hill was one of the guys that was a vet that came off the bench and and did have some scoring prowess, but I never thought he was really that great or or was that big of a player for the Bucks, but if you look at what the Bucks bench has done in this series so far, it's not a whole lot. I mean, last <laughs> night they combined to go 2 for 12. <laughs> And whether it's that's the NBA or high school, that's not very good. Why is Serge Ibaka getting one minute? I, I guess because Lopez was just having such a good game for 35 points. I mean, Serge Ibaka was a nice little you know plug for the Bucks in the regular season. I guess, Lopez looked good. I don't get it so far in the first two games when they have 
uh, Brooke Lopez, like at the the top of the key, running that pick and roll. Yeah, where they either th- throw him a lob or they pass it to him, or the whoever is handling the ball keeps it. That's worked so well every single game, they, but they run it in stretches. It's like, well, we can't do that all game. We don't want to have sex, success yeah. all game. We, we can't score every time we go down the court. Come on. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. The Bucks, uh, Chris Middleton, they said they're going to check the severity of it today, but first it was like a knee injury, and then as it was more was revealed, he did suffer a you know sprained MCL. More testing is going to be done today. And it's just, I mean, it's not, Middleton is a up and down player, but at the end of the day, he still is a body that helps the Bucks win games. Um, he's the number two for the Milwaukee Bucks. So if you don't have your number two, I don't know how much Giannis is going to be able to do, especially with Drew Holiday playing the way he's been playing. Well, that's the thing. It's like down the stretch, the Bucks started to, to make a run at the Bulls late last night, right? Mm-hmm. They had an opportunity to get it to a one basket deficit with like two minutes left. Drew Holiday got to the rim, had an open lay in, and then it was just like he <laughs> he, he missed. He blew it. He he had an open you shot. He blew it. And obviously the Bucks never got any closer than that. But it seemed like once Middleton went out, Holiday had a lot more open shots, whether that be from three and or in the paint. When he was handling the basketball down the stretch, when the Bucks were right there, down you know five, down seven, yeah. and every single time it's like they needed a big shot, it was Holiday that was taking it and missing it. So, Rowdy, my question now is this: I don't like that one. I was trying to find a danger uh, sound effect. Are we now nervous about the Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Middleton? Down with injury, could be done for the rest of the playoffs with a sprained MCL. The Bucks looking out of sorts the past two games. Are we now nervous about the Deer and them repeating their championship? The first one in 50 years last year. Are we now getting nervous? Should we be sounding the alert, the warning sounds for the Deer and their playoff hopes? Or is it too early because it's just two games into the first round playoff series? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not hitting the alarm or super worried yet. I mean, we after game one we said the Bucks played an awful game. They found a way to win it by seven. Mm-hmm. After game two, said man, I wasn't sure the Bucks could play worse than they did game one, but they did. They still only lost by four. I know that they have to go on the road to Chicago. I, I'm just not worried as long as they win one. In Chicago, I mean, it's the series is still even uh, with the home court advantage still. Mm-hmm. So there you go. We'll get into the box. I have to get into the broadcast itself. Some of the, or not some of the, one of the announcers, Rowdy, because I could not stand listening to my television set. I almost, I had to turn the volume down for a while. I did turn it back up and stomach it, but my God, I had nightmares about what I was hearing on my TV. But before we get into that, uh, Rowdy, there is this. We started with the bad. Now let's go to the good. Are you ready for the sound effect? Here you go. That's the, <laughs> that's the, the worst sound. sweeper ever. <laughs> Wait, there's two more. Hang on, there's two more. One more. What about this one? What about that one? What about that one? That one's, wor- that one's okay. worse. What about this one? There's one more. What about that one? They're all terrible. <laughs> That's the sound effect of a sweep. The Milwaukee Brewers sweep the Pittsburgh Pirates 4-2 to two yesterday. Rowdy Telez, another one, a homer. And Keston Hira, the jury is in, Rowdy, the man getting hit. Keston Hira steps up and puts a three-run three blast in the seventh for the cushion for the Milwaukee Brewers as they take down the Pirates. That felt good yesterday. That's a sweep. That's four in a row. The Brewers five and two on their homestand, eight and five on the season so far. And you look at the NL Central, and they still aren't first place, but they have the most wins. They do have the most wins, but <laughs> technically half game behind the Cardinals, who have had three games now rained out compared to the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the Cardinals are seven and three. The Brewers are eight and five. Cubs are six and six. Pirates five and hey, seven. But and the, the Cubs are one of the top. 10 teams in the MLB rankings. If you look at bleacher report, remember that Yes, <laughs> at six and six So dumb. and the reds are two and 11 yikes. But yes, the brewers, did you see, by the done. way, the Reds started the season two and two. 
and then have just they've lost, lost nine, nine straight. straight. Oh my god. All right, so last yesterday, Brandon Woodruff just dazzling on the mound. I, I see some of our own coworkers here uh, subtweeting and talking smack to Rowdy and I. Uh, here's the thing. When I, uh, Grant Bills and Ben Kenny, I don't even think about you guys. And the only time I think about Ben is when he comes into the studio and I see him. Grant Bills, the only time I think about you is when I, it dawns on me that I for, almost forgot to call you at 740 on Tuesdays to have you on. Other than that... You guys don't even cross my mind once. You're like insignificant little gnats that don't even register on my radar. But yet I can go on their Twitter accounts, Rowdy, and they're subtweeting the hell out of us. I love the fact that I live, we live rent-free in their heads. Uh, they were trying to troll us over uh, Craig Council pulling Brandon Woodruff after six innings, going 96 pitches and uh, having a nice little performance. I don't think there's any history in play, though, for Brandon Woodruff. Was, was there? Yeah, the no-hitter was gone. Obviously, the perfect game was gone before that. Mm-hmm. And the Brewers had a nice little lead. Woodruff obviously was running up close to that 100 pitch mark that every single team now uses for the last so dumb. decade and a half. Right, here's, what, here's what it confuses me on the pitching side of things, though. Why is, it, why is it that Corbin Burns can go 107 pitches in seven innings? But then you go and look at Brandon Woodruff, and he can only go six innings throwing, what did he do, 96 pitches? What, why, what's with the – is it just, I guess, individual performance because they're different people? Why is it that you can go – you're one guy who won the Cy Young Rowdy, 107 pitches in seven innings, and the guy who was in Cy Young contention, who was, who was dominating, who was really good on the mound, 96 and in six innings. Do you understand that? Do you get that? Or is it just that arbitrary uh, near that 100 mark? For I guess Craig Council. That's what it is, in my opinion. It's I don't just that number of one hundred. And who decided to settle on one hundred? That's another one of the questions that I've had <laughs> like, that I've asked over and over. But just because it sounds good, one hundred. Yeah, it's like a you know, it's just it's one hundred. It's a yeah. it's a it nice good. round number. It's, I don't get it. Don't get it. I don't know. I think that, like I said yesterday, I think they let Corbin Burns go a little longer because they were going to try and avoid using Boxberger and or Devin Williams, whichever yeah. one they weren't going to use, ended up being Boxberger yeah. to maybe save him for a game like today if it was close, which but they used Boxberger, they used him and Williams, Williams and Hater who got his now s- Rowdy Hater got his sixth save of the season. What did you say yesterday he was on pace yeah, for? He was on pace for like, uh, I think it was 68 saves. Yeah, more than K-Rod, the all-time save leader. And then uh, with this save now, does that bump his on pace up then? Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. So now, He's now has six out of the Brewers. Six saves and the Brewers eight <laughs> wins. And the Brewers have only played 13 games. Insane. So Hater's in their lights up. We have to talk... Um, Devin Williams. I mean, he's on. That would bring him on pace to close to eighty. How how nuts would that be? I mean, not. I'm safe to say it's not realistic, but how sick would that be? Devin Williams, though, what is going on with this guy? Um, Brent Suter walking a little tightrope as well. Did you see Suter pitch by chance, your buddy? Nope. Okay. The last time I saw Suter pitch, because I was in and out on yesterday's gaming. Last time I saw a suitor pitch was, I think, when he ran face first into the dugout. <laughs> it looked like he was like dead. Uh, nah, actually, take that back. I think he came in the very next night after the, he ran face first that, into the Cardinals was, dugout. Yeah, the Cardinals, right? That was a scary. <laughs> I, th- I messaged you guys. Like, I go, I think, think suitor died. <laughs> he just ran face first into the dugout. It was a scary. The angle, the first angle you saw, you're like, damn, I think that dude just like concaved his face in. Uh, but no, uh, Suter ended up being uh, okay, I guess. His ERA. No, he wasn't that good. No, he was not. Devin Williams also walking some tightrope still. Uh, we'll get into the Milwaukee Brewers, but yes, a nice little sweep for the crew. And how about Keston Hira coming in? That's just felt good. And then again, dude, <laughs> back-to-back days of Christian Yelich, uh, 0 for 4. Name somebody that is in the top three of the Brewers lineup that's batting above 200. Rowdy Telez? Or, no, top three? Just be quiet. Yeah. There's nobody. Rowdy Telez is fourth. Uh, Colton Wong batting 191. Willie Adamas batting 167. Christian Yelich now below the Mendoza line, 195. Hey, but speaking of Adamas, again, showing the crazy defense. I don't know if you saw the play or not because you're in and out, but he hit a hell of a double play. Um, What was that in the... Was that in the seventh inning? Willie Adamas was absolutely crushing with the defense. But, yes, the top three guys... 
Colton Wong, 191. Willie Adamas, 167. And Yelly, 195. <laughs> but you do have Rowdy oh. Telez that, like you mentioned earlier, had a solo shot, put the Brewers on the board. He's been swinging the bat pretty well. And then the two guys that have started picking it up here as of late, Hunter Renfro, we were, I was talking about him in the first week of the season. It felt like he was just barely missing everything on the bat where he's getting under uh, most uh, times he hit the baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, he hit a bomb two days ago, and now all of a sudden it looks like he's starting to pick it up. He's starting to hit the baseball. He had two more hits. Omar Nervaez, yeah, he started out of the gate the first week a little slow. He's starting to... Uh, have a few hits here. He did go, what was that, yard over the weekend? Yep. And then Keston Hira, Just a Eddie. guy that came in at DH. Yeah, he did go one for four, but that uh, one hit was pretty big with that three-run shot. Hell yeah, it was a sick Keston. I can't believe this dude didn't take a whole year to have everyone, you know, have a big TV special on him and people cry about it and say, you know, throw roses and flowers everywhere and, you know, worship the ground he walks on. Uh, like Coach K, but Villanova's basketball coach, Jay Wright, uh, could be done here after 21 years of leading the Wildcats. Where did this come from? Did that surprise the hell out of you guys yesterday? Like, surprise me? Yeah, I was shocked, too, just because he had been one of the better coaches over the last 20-plus years. But when you think of, like, old coaches in college basketball over the last couple of years, you think of, like, the Roy Williams, the Coach K's, like, you don't really think of Jay Wright. And he wasn't really that old. I think they said he was 60. Yeah, 60 years old. And we were talking about like, who would be the next coach to like take the mantle of you know Coach K, the, the next guy that everyone's like, he's really good, but you love to hate him, but you blah, blah, blah. And a lot of that names was Jay Wright being thrown around. Well, Jay Wright said, you know what? Coach K's done. I'm done, too. At 60 years old, turning at 21 years of leading the Wildcats, uh, Wright led Villanova to a pair of national championships, called an impromptu meeting with his team to share the news of his retirement. Done. I was shocked. Surprised. Rowdy had a, an idea, though, RJ. And now, uh, oh, Rowdy, okay. Rowdy tell, tell your idea to RJ. Which is, which oh, you told well, it's not really my idea. It was rumors that were floating out there. There oh, was okay. some rumors that said he was maybe trying to make his way to Madison. So no reports yet? No reports, no sources, but okay. there were rumors. And that right. was to be Greg Gard's okay. assistant? Uh, that would be, they actually said Greg Gard would be uh, stepping down and taking a demotion to <laughs> oh. associate head coach. There you go. <laughs> Jay Wright would come in. That's all you needed. Gardo. Jay Wright. I'm here. Jay I'm Wright here. was going to get it right. There you go. Yeah, Jay Wright with the uh, big <laughs> Greg Gard stuff. And they down. were also going to potentially bring on uh, John Beeline as a consultant. <laughs> yeah, what's he doing now, by the way? Is he doing anything? I think the last last time Does I checked in on him, NBA he was then, working yeah. on a was it a Big Ten TV set after yeah. uh, the Cavs said, and that was a terrible decision by us. You're done. So has has anyone like heard anything of why right out of nowhere it was just like, hey, I'm done? Like, no, no. Uh, let's see here. I saw uh, CBSSports.com said, why now? They said his retirement de- decision is not health related, but rather a case of him being ready to take a break from coaching. So a combination so a break. of this, I mean, this is what a source says to CBS, a com- quitting, a combination of retiring, a combination of burnout and a career filled with substantial success created a scenario in which there is nothing left for right to prove. He's walking away nothing as one of the for right to prove. all time great coaches in college basketball history. So are we, will we see him go to the NBA? No, I wouldn't. I don't, I, wouldn't. I feel like, I feel like there had to be something kind of up that Villanova, like the, Villanova athletic department knew because all of a sudden it was like, you got this news that Jay Wright was retiring. There, there wasn't even a rumbling. It just was like, boom. Oh, hey, and by then, the way, I'm done. But then all of a sudden they turned around and hours later, they're like, we got our hire Kyle Neptune. He's yeah. our guy. What a great name. It was a good one. But like, didn't that seem a little weird? Neptune. It was like, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. But not weird. only did it come out of nowhere, but you had the replacement literally hours later. It's right. weird. Something and, feels off. And it was, it's not like the guy was on your staff. He was at Fordham. Like, there's... It just feels weird. It feels off. Yeah. It feels strange. And I get it. Coaching, I mean, that's huge burnout. But you'd think after 21 years, you'd be used to the life of being a basketball coach, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. You, you either accept you knew, it... Okay, I will say this. You knew something was up when he stopped wearing suits. 
Well, everyone did that after COVID. Like Actually, after the COVID Jay Wright didn't. Yeah. How about, do we think that this could be maybe like a, a Bo Ryan, Greg Gard situation here? Because they tabbed him right away. We're going with Kyle Neptune. If you dig into who Kyle Neptune is, yes, he was the head coach at Fordham last year. Right. But before that, he was the head assistant from 2013 to 2021 with Villanova mm-hmm. and also a video coordinator from 2008 to 2010. I might think it's more of a Paul Chris situation where Barry Alvarez came out and was like, well, we can't hire him. He doesn't have any head coaching experience, but we're going to hire uh, Brett Bielema with no head coaching experience. And then some guy who just brings in a lot of transfers um, that aren't going to be getting. We don't school say there. we don't say his name. Right. That's I didn't say. His I name. know he shall, he um, shall not then, be named. And I'm not talking about Voldemort. And then Chris went to go get head coaching experience and came back. Maybe that was the kind of situation here where maybe you, this year, uh, Jay Wright wanted to step down and have Neptune take over, and Villanova was like, "No, no, 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 no." So he went out, found a. I don't know how Fordham did this year. Um, <laughs> found well, a coaching job. Guess what? I'll tell you, what? I'll tell you research this. Department. They didn't make the NCAA tournament. Oh, you hate to see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, maybe maybe that was the situation. Fordham so was he, sixteen and sixteen eighth in the A ten. What were they the year before though? Because, uh, I mean, that could turn into, like, a pretty big turnaround. Eight and ten in conference play. Oh. Uh, I don't know the year before I'll look. Or, sorry, research department will look. Regardless, yeah. not doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm going to say probably around the same last uh, the year previous as well. Not great, yeah. Bob. Not great, Bob. Not great, Mr. Neptune. It's just, it's just strange. It's strange. It's yeah. weird. It's very bizarre. But, hey, if, you know, if Jay Wright... Coaching is a... Oh, actually, they were 2-12 and 12 the year before. Oh, so they did better. Yeah. That's a big turnaround. They were 9-22 and 22 the year before. Okay, well, there you go. Neptune 12 and 20 up. the year before that. 9-22. and 22. Coaching is a, is a tough life. Like, that's a crazy lifestyle. It's their, they had their first non-losing record since 2015-16 season. And they were 500. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see what happens with Phil. And now basketball. Neptune's... Gone. And got Rowdy, a better job. Rowdy's got a source out there saying that Jay Wright's coming in. No. There's rumors. rumors. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. There's sorry, no sorry. source. Sorry. Rumors swirling, right, Rowdy? Rumors are swirling. Yeah, because, you know, even if you did have one source, you need to have multiple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You just... You, to tell the folks how it begins again, it starts with the rumors. Yeah, it starts with the rumors. Mm-hmm. Then, all of a sudden, you have some sources, and then you have a report. Yeah, And it's right how much of the time? 50%. This time we have maybe one rumor that's floating around out there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Jay Wright in his his thank you Nova Nation over the past twenty one seasons. I've had the opportunity to live out a professional dream as a head coach of Villanova. Patty and I have been blessed. Blah 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 blah. Now though, it's time for us to enter a new era of Villanova basketball. After thirty five years in coaching, I'm proud and excited to hand over the reins to Villanova's next coach. I'm excited to remain a part of Villanova and look forward to working with. Father Peter, Mark, and the rest of the leadership team. Once they Wildcat, always Wildcat. Sincerely, Jay Wright. Okay, wow. well, I'll ask you guys this then. So, Greg Gard won Big Ten Coach of the Year. He was in the running Two for... Two out of three times. Yeah, he was in the running for National Coach of the Year. The Wisconsin Badgers did make it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. They did tie for the Big Ten uh, regular season championship. Mm-hmm. They also won the Big Ten. Well, I guess they tied for the Big Ten regular season championship in 2019. Yeah. Slash 2020. Mm-hmm. Don't forget they won the national title. If too. Yep. say say yeah. this actually was a thing, one of them. if you could get Jay Wright to come to Wisconsin to coach, <laughs> but it was only going to be for five years, would you do it? Sure. Can't back down to my guy Gardo. I mean, he won the national title COVID year. Jay Wright has two. Yeah, but okay, but Gard in the real. face of adversity. <laughs> and they're real. And actually played games. <laughs> Greg Gard found a way to get beat BYU in the national title in many simulations. If if you were told many simulations. If you were told that, hey, Jay Wright wants to come to Wisconsin, he'd love to coach this program, but he's only gonna be here for five years, would you do it? I gotta I gotta go with my guy guard. I can't I can't back down and keep my guard up. I know Rowdy would in a heartbeat. I would in a heartbeat. Jay Wright would be my guy. Mm-hmm. RJ? I, I would. 
Uh, that's no disrespect. This is disgusting. Yeah. Both no of you guys are wearing UW gear, We're literally too. talking about one of the best college basketball coaches in the country for the last two decades. Greg Gard from Cobb, Wisconsin, a little product from Wisconsin. I could care less town. where he's from. He donates to charity, does a lot for charity, Rowdy. And two out of the three he could, coaches He could come from Cobb, Wisconsin, or he could come from the mean streets of Detroit like uh, – Howard did, but the, uh, guess what? I don't care. As long as they win a lot Who's of basketball Jay games. Jay Wright, I'm going to guess he's an East Coast guy. Churchville, Pennsylvania. Yep. He was an East Coast He's been, one of, the, he's been one of the best college basketball coaches for two decades. I didn't see I didn't see Jay Wright stepping up to the plate to fight Juwan Howard. I never hear Jay Wright going, I'm here! I'm here! I'm here! Greg Gard's got ten, he's tenacity. Tenacious. I've never seen Greg Gard pass the Sweet 16. <laughs> And no, you can argue no, that wrong. No, Greg Gard made it to back-to-back Final Fours and a championship game. He was on the staff with Bo Ryan. Hmm, Never made it a as a head coach. So you did passed, see him. You did see him there. as a head coach past the Sweet Sixteen. And you could argue when he made those Sweet Sweet Sixteens, those were Bo Ryan's players that had Final Four experience. Okay, so you give Bo Ryan credit for that when he's not there, but you won't give Greg Gard being credit for being on the staff. When did I Ryan? give Bo Ryan credit for that? You just said is Bo Ryan's players for the they, Sweet Sixteen. Well, they were. Yeah, but he wasn't there. <laughs> so that's giving Bo Ryan credit. Sure, if the, if that is, then. I mean that's literally giving him credit. Yeah, you got to give Greg Gard. You took it right away from Gard and said Bo Ryan's. Players. I mean, that's literally giving him credit. You got to give Greg Gard credit then for making it a national championship game. Absolutely not. He's on the staff. He's head recruiter. Head recruiter. Everybody this cites is, him for being the reason they went. This to is why you gotta this is ridiculous, and this is why <laughs> they'll never win a national title <laughs> playing this type of basketball. I keep my guard up over Gardo. Team they had their hair. chance in 2015. Bo Ryan won a few playing this style of basketball. Yeah, there it is. But yeah, it would be nice to see what Jay Wright could do. <laughs> Both these guys are wearing Badger gear, and they're turning their back in Wisconsin, and they're welcoming Jay Wright with open arms. There's a lot of people I'd take out of a head coaching position if one of the top coaches in the country came available. Coach K comes back. Said, coach K comes back to coach. Sign him up. I will then be uh, the biggest Coach K apologist there is. Rowdy, you take coach naps K? on the floor all you want. You <laughs> you get in the ear of the refs all you hey, want. RJ. You, you hand over those dollar bills at halftime to change calls. You do that, and you win me a national champion. Yeah, I will. Coach K, I if will you come follow here, you blindly. RJ will get a cut out. He knows where they are because he was a manager for the Wisconsin football team. No, not at the Kohl Center. He'll, 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 he'll have to he'll, walk down to. He'll Cam find Randall. a way though. He'll find a cot and let you sleep, Coach K. <laughs> I love, wheel you around in a wheelchair to get you to your hospital I, bed. I love Paul Chris. I think he does a really good job with the talent that they bring in for the most part outside of a, a few games here and there. If Nick Saban told me, hey, I'm going to come to Wisconsin, but I'm only going to give you five years. Sorry. Cutthroat <laughs> business here. Nick Saban's the guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I have no problem saying that. Hmm. All right. Roy, well, what's the difference between Nick Saban and Jay Wright? A lot more championships. Uh, Jay Wright's got a ton, and he's been and to a Wisconsin's ton of Final never Fours. Been yeah. to, Wisconsin's and he's never not been, at a powerhouse. Has like Wisconsin ever yeah. been to a, a, a Wisconsin basketball been to two Final Fours, or I'm sorry, three Final Fours, yeah, national geez. championship game? Uh, actually, four Final Fours. Four Final Fours, excuse me, national championship game. They've won the national championship in 1941. Yep. But Jay Wright ain't the same stratosphere as Nick Saban. Are you kidding me? It's, Nick Saban, it, it's a yeah, totally no, different. Yeah, I know it's no. different. He brought it up. Yeah, but it's a totally different style of winning. I know. I would welcome Saban in open arms. You can't really compare those two. He's, he is. No, but like I'm saying, on national I'm championships just going along alone. With what he's saying. But on national, you think Jay Wright's in the same? Now Jay Wright is clearly above Greg Gard, but you think Jay Wright's a Nick Saban of college basketball? Yeah. No, Coach K would be like a Nick Saban of college basketball. He hasn't won a national championship in how long? Jay Since Wright, 2015, Jay and then Wright before that, it's been a while. Nick Saban of college basketball. There's no way. He's up there. I know he's up there, but he's not Nick Saban. Sure he is. Rowdy. He's a good recruiter. He, he gets Saban? to Final Fours. He's won two national championships. There's no. There's there's, no, there's no, a no, different no, way no, of no, measuring no, basketball no, coaches. No, 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 no. no, no I'd say, he, Ed, uh, to be completely honest, no. right now in 2022, he was... Arguably one of the closest things you could say to Nick Saban in college football. Coach K hadn't been. Coach K really hasn't been that relevant since they beat Wisconsin in that national championship. For sports director Zach Heilprin. Good morning, Zach. Hey. Good morning. How are we doing today? Fantastic. You know what? I can't wait tonight. Six to seven. Uh, I call it. I call it. 
Heilprint and Kenny, but for some reason he got first billing, so Kenny and Heilprint tonight, 6-7. to seven. How pumped are you to hang out with the young Ben Kenny and talk a little Wisco sports, Wisconsin football coming up here, my man? Absolutely nothing I'd rather do from 6-7 to seven on a Thursday than talk to Ben Kenny for an hour about Wisconsin football and basketball. Hell yeah. I, should, I mean, I think like the only thing better is to talk – Whatever we're going to talk about for a few minutes here at seven thirty-five. Oh, like that's oh feeling, I mean, like it's it's like a one-two. They're 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 close. It's like it, 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 because of you, it's slightly higher. Because of you, I could sing to you all day, Zach. I know how much you love I that. Know you could. Hey, uh, Rowdy and RJ, we're in a spirited conversation right away. Uh, Jay Wright Ooh. retiring out of nowhere uh, after twenty-one seasons. And Rowdy, tell tell I I protected my guy Greg Gard because someone had to in this room. But Rowdy, tell Zach what happened. <laughs> Well, I did see hear some rumors about maybe someone potentially coming to Madison. But I said, in theory, if Jay Wright said tomorrow, hey, I want to be the coach at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, but I'll only be here for five years, would you take Jay Wright? Would you take Jay Wright? Uh, like, if it, like who, who, who is we? Or, or who is I? Whoever, like, me, is RJ, me, you are the AD. You are Chris McIntosh. You are the, you are the person being asked oh, the question. The, I, if I'm Chris McIntosh, no. Um, he's a, he, he feels like a loyal guy. Even though Greg, Greg Arden, not necessarily his guy. But uh, for, five years, think, for, for five years, I don't For five years, I don't think so. But, um, you know, like if he's going to be here for 20, I mean, he's one of the best coaches in, in the country. Like, you could make the argument that he is the best coach in the country. So, is he, yeah, the, I mean, is he the Nick Saban of college basketball? No. He's yes. not on that level. That a baby. That That's level. what I'm talking about, Zach. I knew you were a smart how many, guy. How many titles does Alabama have? Well, R.J. and Nelly over here are on the Nick Saban of college basketball project. And I said he's, I said he's, like he's the not. closest thing with Coach K retiring. Mm, I mean, he's, he's the one that's got multiple titles, right? Uh, but Bill Self does, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I protected my guy, Greg Gard. I got to keep my guard up. You know, Team Small yeah. Hair, Zach. Team Small Hair. Mm-hmm. You got to protect those boys. All right, team so. Small hair. <laughs> uh, Zach, you were at uh, American Family Field yesterday. You saw Brandon Woodruff just dazzle on the mound. Uh, I love this. Like, I, the only time I ever think about Ben Kenny is when he walks into the room or I think about Heilprin and Kenny. So, like, I never <laughs> think about Ben Kenny and I never <laughs> think about Grant Bills until I remember that I have to call him 740s on Tuesday so I can let his little squeaky voice get on the air a little bit so like yeah. they're like they're like they're like insignificant little gnats in my life like i don't even they don't even register on my radar but i see on their twitter account and i know you put it on uh, madcitysports.com for the best of tweets for the game of grant bills subtweeting me and rowdy about you know we like to have competitors compete and pitchers pitch and obviously like brandon woodruff didn't have any history going for him uh with this start yesterday but he did look pretty well so grant bill's trying to you know troll us about woody or a council pulling woody from the game but what did you think of the performance of brandon woodruff yesterday uh before we get into the offense of the milwaukee brewers no i i put that in there because i love trolls um and you guys troll hard and so i figured it was probably worthwhile to, to give Grant a little uh, a little love just because he, you know. I don't think his he, ego needs it. He, he rarely he rarely trolls back. Like, it's usually, it's really a one-sided thing. You guys abuse him. It's hilarious. And, well, I mean, we all love it. But, well, it's like, you, it's know, like, you know, it's like he's so easy, but it's so fun, you know? Yes, right, exactly. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, fantastic. And in, as opposed to, you know, against St. Louis, where it wasn't necessarily the strikeouts, but he was getting outs on. He had nine strikeouts. He had the fastball all over him. Trey Council mentioned it after the game, saying, you know, even uh, the balls these guys had to work for because it was the, the placement of his pitches were spot on from almost the beginning of it. So, yeah, I mean, it was a really impressive performance, and now he's got 11 straight scoreless innings. I mean, this is a heck of a bounce back from giving up seven runs in your opener. Yeah, no doubt. And then offensively, Zach, uh, Rowdy Telez again with a home run crushing mm. it. But more importantly, the jury is in. Keston Hira, mm. a three-run shot. Uh, how uh, You know, the Brewers have Yelich struggling again after the Grand Slam, and he posted some video about him being back. He then went 0-4 and then 0-4 again. Uh, what is it like to see other guys stepping up in absence of a Christian Yelich? Well, you would hope that Keston Hira is going to find his <laughs> find his Christian Yelich moment too, right? Like, and that was kind of it yesterday, I guess. But hopefully, he doesn't revert back to what Christian Yelich did after the Grand Slam. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, you give Andrew McCutcheon his first day off, and 
you know, what are you really expecting out of the DH spot with, with Keston Hero, who hasn't necessarily uh, torn it up? Rowdy, I think that's that's fair to say, right? Right. Well, Keston Hero... Right. <laughs> Rowdy? <laughs> Keston Hero is one of those guys coming out of spring that was pretty hot, but then, like you said, they paid Andrew McCutcheon to be the DH. Rowdy Telez was going to be the starting first baseman, and he kind of got lost in the shuffle for the most part, and it was nice kind of seeing him have a nice game filling in here. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple strikeouts, too. He did strike out a couple times. That happens uh, in baseball, Zach. Come on. It, it does. I don't disagree. Christian Yelich would, would agree with that, and so would <laughs> Hunter Renfro. But Hunter Renfro, you know, it was kind of uh, stepped, to, stepped up a little bit after a little bit of a slow start. He's batting over 300 in the last eight games, and, you know, he's, he's been pretty good. But, yeah, just, I mean, Rowdy Tellez. I, ever, I mean, there were a lot of people thinking, what, that they need to bring in a, a bigger bat? Uh, not even a bigger bat, but just like a different guy there. And uh, he's so far rewarded their commitment and loyalty to him. I mean, he's been. And who doesn't love a guy named Rowdy, you know, Zach? Yeah, I mean, it it feels like it's been different guys a lot, but he's been more one of the more consistent ones so far. Your favorite Rowdy. Rowdy Razor, Rowdy Razorback over here, or Rowdy Telez? Or Rowdy Rowdy Piper, R.I.P.? You just gave him an easy out. All right, now take out Rowdy (laughs) Rowdy Piper out of there. Rowdy Razor or Rowdy Telez? I mean, it's still very easy. Uh, of course, it's Nelson. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. right? That's a like, promo. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely Nelson. <laughs> definitely. Uh, how about this? Uh, in your article, Zach, which I mean, always very well done. It's you know, it's like it's my like my Bible at MadCitySportsOne dot com. Uh, the not so good Brent Suter and Devin Williams. Mm. I mean, Brent Suter is Brent Suter, but what the hell's going on with Devin Williams? He is walking a tightrope lately. It's not even a time. I mean, he, how many times has he fallen off of it? I mean, it's not even. <laughs> I know it's early, right? Like, I don't. You don't want to make uh, judgments about a guy on what is essentially what, like, one game of an NFL season at this point in terms of uh, you know of, a, of an MLB season. Mm-hmm. So, I, but the thing is, he still got it clearly because he he dropped an airbender on him for the strikeout, I believe, um, to get out of the inning. I that's the. That's, he's still there, and he had a great outing on Tuesday night. So it's still there. It's just why isn't it there consistently? Yeah. Um, well, he's walking guys. I mean, yeah. He's not throwing. He's not <laughs> not pitching. He's not putting the ball where he needs to. Unless I so, check Zach, and maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, it but things bode well for you when you throw strikes, right? In baseball, it does. Yeah. more often than not, yeah. Josh Hader will say that. Yeah. And Hader, his sixth save of the season yesterday before he was sitting on his fifth, he was on pace for how many rowdy saves of the season? He was at, on pace for 68. Now I think he's on pace to close to 80. Uh, will he get 80 saves this season? Uh, Zach <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to come in a little under. He may come in a little under. Um, the bigger question is, do they see if he'll use, they'll use him in the, in the eighth inning uh, from, from what I heard yesterday, that's not going to be the case. Um, he is almost essentially going to be in the ninth all the time, which is that hasn't necessarily been the way it's been throughout his career. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Zach, definitely been pitching well. That's kind of a problem. Um, are you? I do believe the Brewers are undefeated when you're in attendance at American Family Field. Yeah, much to the chagrin of uh, some people, I. I've been pretty good uh, when I go. Zach, I, mean, I, I love it, dude. I guess we hey, not even me. I shouldn't even say me. I, obviously, I'm not good, but like the Brewers have been pretty good when I've gone. So I think I'm going to have to keep on going and just continue to, you know, upset some people. And thank you for using the word chagrin. I love that word. I've been using it a lot mm. lately as well. And Zach, uh, much to our chagrin, we were talking a little bit about and uh, switching gears here because you were at the uh, the was it the 13th practice? Mm. For, 14th, yes, 14th today, I do believe, for Wisconsin football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw the not so good on your article. I hate to keep beating this dead horse, but uh, Graham, the, Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz. But mm. I'll, I'll do the positive. You said he was hitting some deep balls to Chimray DK. He had a horrible start to the practice. Like mm. it was, it was really bad, and it, it followed a couple of rough practices before that. And so um, there were a lot of like, so we, we all watch practice up above, uh, like in this window area, and like when he would throw it, people would just be like looking at each other like, what, what the hell was that? Um, but he bounced back big time. He had a, he had a great second half of that practice, uh, hit a couple of deep balls, hit some guys like exactly where he needed to be. And it was just the grand Mertz that, that everyone wants him to be. And we'll see if he can continue it. Cause he was, 
He uh, had a little bit of a, as I said, a couple slow practices, and he's got two more practices to try and finish it off strong the way that um, he did on Tuesday. Okay, so don't get too high, don't get too low. Spring ball, there's some time. And speaking of uh, not getting too high and not too low, before I let you go, Zach, I'm always high when you're on. That sounded kind of weird. But Zach, high and with love. But Zach, what about the Milwaukee Bucks? Should we be freaking out with no Chris Middleton now, a sprained MCL, and they're now series tied one apiece? Or it's like, yo, just be easy. It's two games into the first-round playoff series. Giannis is dropping 50, right? Like, he's dropping. He's, he's got to tomorrow night. Um, yeah, I mean, it, they if they were able to overcome losing Giannis last year, they can certainly overcome losing Middleton, but it's it's a huge loss. And uh, luckily, they're playing a Chicago team that isn't necessarily the most consistent one of the bunch, and I, I don't envision DeMar DeRozan going for 41 every single time. Yeah. So um, we'll see. And if we you ever see. are rubbing elbows again in Milwaukee um, and you run into Gus Johnson, can you please, for the love of God, tell him to calm down of calling Milwaukee the cream and DeMar DeRozan frozen and Giannis Supernova? I just can't. If, if you yeah, feel no, so inclined, if you feel so inclined, if you see I, I don't. Before you let me go, I would like to ask uh, you a question. Yeah. Um, are we worried that maybe Aaron Rodgers' playoff issues rubbed off on the Bucks last night? No, I think it's uh, Jordan Love being there in attendance in the second bowl. I think he was the. But he's the, never played in a playoff game. Yeah, I know, but when he does start, it's pretty loserous. So uh, pretty bad. So he was up in his mom's seat last night. Like yeah. they were. That's yeah. So, all right. Well, okay. I'm just asking. It's, it's not, you know, Rod- it's not shows, Rodgers. It's Jordan Aaron Love. Aaron Rodgers shows up, and Aaron Rodgers shows up, and it was a really, really poor performance uh, in the playoffs in a, in a time that mattered. So, just, just a little, I mean, I was just wondering if you had any connection with him. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has two rings, Zach. He's got a Super Bowl ring, obviously, and he's got his because uh, he's the minority owner. He also has the uh, Milwaukee Bucks championship ring from last year. So mm. he has a, he has yeah, two he rings. Didn't show up, yeah, I mean, last year he didn't show up to any games. Well, he's so busy therapeutic probably- vomiting and pooping. <laughs> Zach, we love you, buddy. All right, later. See ya. There he is, Zach Halperin. NFL draft upcoming. We're actually one week away from the NFL's draft. Rowdy's been breaking down each position group. We started with quarterbacks, then yesterday did running backs, and today, something who doesn't love? A tight end. Yeah, and now like this isn't this isn't me rating who's the top tight end. This isn't me going through and watching hours and hours and hours of tape. This is me kind of going through the, the uh, draftees analysis is what they list and, and kind of uh, sifting through that and coming out with where I think the uh, Green Bay Packers would be likely to take said position if they drafted at all uh-huh. and who I would like them to draft, not necessarily the best player sure. at the, that Just particular what you position think would fit for the Packers. Correct. Yeah. So I was like looking at tight end and now just like the basic, the basic info on the tight ends this year, it's not like a, it's not a super top heavy tight end draft. Like there's no first round picks here at tight end. There's no Antonio Gates. There's (laughs) no Tony Gonzalez. You know, there's no clear cut. This guy's going to be a complete NFL stud hall of famer. There's no uh, pits from last year, sure. right? There's no Kyle Pitts. But this tight end draft class just in general is super deep. Like when I say super deep, I'm talking about there's a lot of talent from like the 3rd round to the 6th round. All right, yeah. But there's there's not a ton of top heavy guys. You might even be able to find some preferred free agents that end up catching on and doing something where they're actually benefiting your roster. That I wouldn't be surprised and so Guys that I was looking at now, the first name here, he's a guy that a lot of Packer writers have had in their mock drafts, and I agree with it. It's Trey McBride. I mean, it was this guy's a three-sport athlete. He's got room to grow both in his routes and in his body. He is a two-way tight end where he can block in line and kind of split out Ooh, and do some freak, things. two-way freak, Good yeah. hands. He's also really good at, at catching the ball in, in traffic with contested catches. Right now, they're projecting him to be a late second, third-round pick. Uh, the next guy that I liked was actually out of Iowa State, uh, Charlie Collaire. He's a third, fourth round pick. This guy's huge. He's got the size and he's really extremely long, good hands. He's more of a a physical inline blocker as well. Like I said, he played at Iowa State. Again, third, fourth round pick there. Jake Ferguson coming up on the board. Wait, isn't that Barry Alvarez's grandson? He is. What? Projected currently around a fifth round pick. I mean, we've watched him at Madison. 
He's reliable. He worked out with the Packers, too, uh, he, last week. He runs good routes. He's not necessarily fast, but he's got some lateral quickness. He's not necessarily physical in the run game, but he's not awful at it either. I mean, he's a Wisconsin tight end. Wisconsin again. royalty. Ferguson projected to be a fifth-round pick. Another guy in that fourth to fifth round, Isaiah Likely. Now, this guy's kind of interesting. So he played for Coastal Carolina. Yeah where we all know that Coastal Carolina is not Michigan, right? They're not playing in a Power 5 Big Ten conference. No, yeah. They're playing in, like, the, the Sun Belt. But Coastal Carolina's had pretty good teams over the last few years and likely was a guy that is super athletic, came out of uh, high school as a receiver, moved to tight end just kind of more or less because he's a bigger body. Mm-hmm. The thing with him is he's extremely good at catching the football and, you know, the yak, the yards after a catch. The one thing with him, though, he is a receiver that turned tight end isn't a very consistent blocker. Mm -hmm. Are you going to give up a little bit of blocking? Now, we know that the Packers, who they have coming back, you have Mercedes Lewis, who is your blocking tight end. You have Bob Tunyon, who can do a little bit of both. You have Josiah DeGuara, who can do a little bit of both. And they have taken chances on guys that weren't necessarily good blockers in the past. Now this one came back to bite them and Jay Sternberger, but it's something that Goody has done. And another guy that I actually, I actually really like this guy out of San Diego state when I was watching the combine and them working out. And that was Daniel Bellinger. I mean, he had good hands when they were doing some of those drills. He was a pretty big guy, like as in long, tall built, Sure. He's supposed to be a pretty good uh, route runner as well. He's just an inconsistent blocker. They said that uh, because he is so tall, he can get a little high. Mm -hmm. He's projected fourth, fifth round as well. And then the last couple here, a couple uh, uh, Allen flavors here. Austin Allen, he's a guy out of Nebraska. He's a big dude. Allen. Uh, They also say he's got room to fill in on that frame, add more weight. Good inline blocker, but he does uh, run plotting routes so he doesn't necessarily have the best sure. routes that he runs he's projected sixth to seventh and then uh, a chase allen here the the reason why i like this guy is when you start getting down to those preferred free agents they they describe him as tough nose he's an inline he iowa blocker state too? yep two iowa state uh tight Man, ends i like rowdy dipping with the cyclones inline blocker athletic they say he's he's a little weaker in his lower half so he might struggle in blocking but He's a guy that's going to, he's going to fight for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. he's a guy that's going to give you everything. And then the last two that I liked that were preferred free agents were Peyton Hendershot, where if you're a Wisconsin Badger fan, you might've heard of him. He's the extremely athletic tight end for uh, Indiana. Used to be a basketball player, got good footwork, runs good routes, but uh, don't know how great he's going to be at blocking. And they have some character issues with him off the field Uh-oh. after being arrested, Uh-oh. which that's like the Packer. Is he a Packer guy? Is he Packer people? Well, uh, Packers just brought in a guy named Jaron Reed who was arrested a couple of years ago. So. And then the the last one for the preferred free agents is uh, a Cole Turner out of Nevada. A- extremely athletic tight end who was a basketball player as well. Could be a little undersized, maybe not much of a blocker, could be pretty raw. But again, when you're talking about preferred free agents, these are these are shot at the dark shot in the darks. These are guys that you're looking at potentially drafting late or uh, picking up after the draft based on traits where they could become something or grow into something. But like talking about like the Packer people, just thinking about some of the that might have been a thing decades ago. Packer people don't really like a thing. I don't think it's anything. Do you remember? Actually, I was really pumped since we're talking about tight ends and Packer people and the Green Bay Andrew Packers. Corliss? No, no, no. When he shot his gun off in the parking lot to impress some women? Much worse. Much worse. Do you remember Colt Lyerla? <laughs> yes. That, Out of Oregon? Yeah. Like, that guy was a stud at Oregon, like an athletic freak. He was a head case. And he was the guy that the, the Packers actually gave. I think they signed him after the draft as an undrafted free agent. I think he and it was prison. like, no, I think he murdered somebody. I think he's in prison. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Pleaded guilty to charges of coercion, strangulation, assault, and fourth degree in possession of oh, heroin. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Sentenced to 27 months with credit for time served in Lane County jail. But that was a guy that I absolutely loved coming out of because coming out of college, I think he, he was really a, good. He had a marijuana and like a fighting thing, which, yeah. okay. A, a lot of these guys, if, if they, got pulled over 
any particular weekend could potentially have a marijuana. A little devil's lettuce. Yeah, so I'm like, and I think it was like fighting with teammates. Mm-hmm. I love that move. He was the guy that, remember, he like stormed onto like the draft, around the combine draft stuff. Because remember, he was in the pool and he was the guy that jumped yeah. out of, of the, the pool, pool yeah. onto the side. He was athletic as hell. Yeah, and he was really good at Oregon. Well, that no. backfired as, I'm pretty sure when he was with the Packers, he got nailed for like Coke. Yeah, right here it says, uh, the t- detectives in Eugene spotted Lyra snorting cocaine and then proceeded to arrest him. So that was one of the guys that they took a shot on because of his traits, because yep. he was athletic and there was a lot of baggage and it blew up in their face and he never really amounted to anything. But those are the type of guys that like the Greg Hardy's of the world, like the, well, I guess you can't really say Ray Rice, but some of those guys that have had extra baggage, mm-hmm. they get second shots because of their yeah. their abilities and traits. And he just kept screwing the pooch, Colt Lairla, until now he's got arrested for attempting to murder someone and uh, charge of heroin possession. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's not a good road. That's Ooh. normally a road you don't come back from. You, have, you never heard someone say, oh, yeah, when Colt started using heroin, he really turned his life around. It's the opposite. You never have heard a success story of someone dipping in. But even if the the Green Bay Packers, I don't think they're going to be. I know a lot of people are in love with the, what is it, uh, Woods out of Virginia. I'm just not as high as, I'm not as high on him. Yeah. I know he's athletic. I know he's a big tight end, and I know he ran a really great 40. People loved him. I'm, I'm just not super high on him. But I do think that there is a ton of value once you get to the rounds three to six at the tight end position where Hell, Packers might take a tight end that no one was really thinking about. And Except for you, Rowdy. Turns out to be a pretty good player. Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. What's up, you handsome bastard, Robbie? What time we get a nice day, Abel? Abel? Dude, I know. I'm ready for the warm weather, man. Like, let's let's make it happen. And then it's going to be windy again, I bet. Guaranteed. Yeah, and then in about three weeks from now, it'll be 88 and muggy. So, <laughs> that, 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 that's spring around here. And the what best the best thing about spring and summer is it, it will be that muggy out, and you'll be stuck in traffic behind, like, a bunch of construction. <laughs> <laughs> Just love, love the seasons. You got that right. Yeah. Hey. But, 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 but for some reason, we all stay here and... Just keep bitching about it, right? I love Wisconsin. It's just something, you know, it's a labor of love, but that's, I think, anywhere you live. Rob, uh, much love for you and everything you got going on, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Uh, you sent me a great article, and I wanted to get right to it when it comes to, uh, it was yours, will the Green Bay Packers trade up when the run on wide receivers begins? Before we get to that, though, Rob, Debo Samuel had said that he wants out of San Francisco. Is there a chance that the Packers land Debo? I mean, I guess there's a chance on anything, Evo. I mean, if I'm the 49ers, I, I, much like Green Bay, when we've had all these talks in the last, you know, year or two about Aaron Rodgers, or then, you know, the same way with that that you saw with Devontae Adams, you want to get players like that, Evo, out of your conference, right? I mean, there's there, there, there was such a small gap last year, I thought, between Green Bay and San Francisco. Obviously, you know, the 49ers win that playoff game. I mean, the, 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 the teams are pretty close. Uh, if you're San Francisco, obviously number one, you, you try to work out that situation because he's he's your best player on offense. Uh, number two, if you can't get that done, Evo, I, I just I just think it's smart if 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 you're in the front office to to take a talent like that. He's an elite talent. He's a top ten player in his position in the league, uh, and and you try to get him out of the out of the conference, Evo. You know you, you you've seen it time and time again here, right? You you you, you think of Oh, Diggs, for example, in Minnesota, and when the Vikings traded him, where did he go? Buffalo, right? You, you saw it with, with Devontae Adams. You saw Dallas do it this offseason with Amari Cooper and send him to Cleveland. So, I mean, when when, when there's high-level players like that, Evo, you, 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 you want to get them as far away from you as possible where they, you know, they can't come back and stick it to you in January, right? I mean, if, if he's a Packer and he catches eight balls for, for a buck fifty and two touchdowns, you know, and you're in the front office in San Francisco, Evo, you never hear the end of it. So um, I, I would say the chances of that still are, are really remote, Evo. Okay, so, Robbie, how about this? Uh, the um, I'm going to read the first line in your beautiful, beautiful work at Forbes.com. The run seems inevitable. And that would be the run on wide receivers when the draft begins next week. We're a week away, Robbie. What happens with the Packers and those big draft picks they got and what they need desperately, wide receivers? 
Well, what I think is going to happen, Evo, is somewhere between about 10 and 20, you're going to see a huge run on wide receivers. There's, you know, this is a draft for, for those who haven't been paying attention or following is, is again, loaded with wide receiver talent. There's going to be six or seven that go in round one again. And, and to be honest, Evo, you know, four or five of those probably deserve to go in the top 20 picks. But what happens is, when one, you know, one team starts the run and a bunch more follow Evo, um, some guys tend to get overdrafted. And, and what, what you have here in the middle of the draft, Evo, it, it really is fascinating. Um, you, you've got all these gifted wide receivers that I, you know, n- none of them are Evo are going to go on the top five. Um, you know, probably the first one is going to be Wilson, the kid out of Ohio State, I would guess somewhere between like seven and 10, and then the run is going to start. And what you've got in the middle of the draft, Evo, is, you know, seven, eight teams that desperately need wide receivers, maybe not quite as much as Green Bay, but, but they are huge, huge needs on their board. They certainly rank in the top two or three, you know, positional needs for these respective teams. Then, Evo, you've got another eight teams out there, including Green Bay, with two first-round draft picks. And, and the way I broke that down, Evo, is seven of those eight teams absolutely need a stud wide receiver. They don't have, you know, Super Bowl-capable winning wide receivers uh, inside their group. So in the middle of that draft, Evo, you've got teams that need wide receivers. You've got all these teams out there with two first-round draft picks. And then you've got these wide receivers, Evo, that probably should get drafted between about 10 and 25. So you're going to see this run of wide receivers, and it's going to go quick, and it's going to be crazy. And Green Bay is sitting there with picks 22 and 28. And if you're Brian Gutekunst, you know, the question for him becomes, can he sit back, casually wait for that 22nd pick of his to arrive and get a wide receiver that, that he highly, highly values that can help Aaron Rodgers and that offense immediately in 2022? Or does he have to jump up that draft board and get up to 13, get up to 15, get up to seven or eight even, Evo, and, and get the wide receiver of his choice? So that is going to be absolutely fascinating viewing one week from tonight when, when that reality TV show <laughs> uh, is on in everybody's living room and we're, and we're, and we're all absolutely glued to it. Robbie, I just had a question for you because I think it's pretty clear that there's a top five or six uh, receivers in this draft that are clearly kind of better than the rest. I didn't know if you had like a guy that might go in the late first or potentially early second that might not be in that top five, but might be in the seven to 12 that you actually really liked. You know, so now you're talking probably a guy they, they, they pick up in the second round or something like that, right, Nelly? And they, they can certainly do that with picks 53 and, and 59. Um, you know, a, a guy like George Pickens, Nelly at, at, at Georgia, who's coming off the ACL, is, is, is a big, lanky kid with a catch radius that, that's enormous. And uh, he ran a 4.47 at the combine um, coming off that, that knee injury from last year. He's one of these boomer bust guys, for example, Evo, that, that somebody could reach for and take it, pick 30, 27, 25, something like that, uh-huh. or the knee and the fact he's not particularly strong could send him down into the middle or later part of that second round, Nelly, where, where, they, could, where they could get a guy like that. You, you could see a Dotson, the kid from Penn State, slip down a little bit in the draft. Nelly, just because of his size, you know, 5'11", 178, he's not a particularly big kid where if, if Green Bay is sitting there at, you know, waiting for that 53rd pick and Dotson's on the board, let's say at 45 or 47, they move up a handful of spots and, and grab him. Christian Watson, uh, you know, a kid from North Dakota State kind of falls into that range too, Nelly. Uh, again, a little bit of a, a boomer bust. Somebody could easily reach for him. Because, you know, his skill set is off the charts. You know, so somebody could take him late first round pick or he could fall into the into the later part of the second round. Now he just because his production in North Dakota State wasn't particularly great and the fact he's coming from North Dakota State, a small school. So there's going to be guys like that. And, and I fully expect Green Bay, Nelly, to take a wide receiver in round two as well as round one. They're going to come out of this draft with, with at least 
three of them, guys. Uh, that wide receiver room eight days, ten days from now is going to be dramatically different than the one that they've got today. See, weirdly enough, I went through this, and you know how you kind of look at the names, and you know right off the bat, you're like, yeah, I like the Alaves, I like the Wilsons of the world, and you kind of have some of these other names in mind. But I kind of started to look at stuff last weekend, and sometimes you always are like, oh, I'm not going to like this guy, or blah, blah, blah. Then you start digging into it. Weirdly enough, I actually liked Sky more, a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, I mean, again, interesting. Young kid, right, came out really early after, you know, his, what, what technically was his sophomore year there at, at, at Western Michigan. The, the size thing, though, is, is always a question mark. You know, Nelly, with Green Bay likes big, strong receivers if, if, if they can get them, six one and above. I mean, you think about the guys that, that have lined up and, and played there. Adams, Adams at six one. They just lost MBS at about six three or four. Jordy Nelson, a, a big, strong guy. They, they don't bring a lot of Randall Cobb guys into Green Bay for the most part, and Sky Moore's five ten, and and I know he's put together pretty well. He's one ninety five, and and, there, and there's some real upside. But but I, I I do wonder, Nelly. You know, you, you've already got two slot guys there, right? With with Cobb and Amari Rogers. Do they want to go another undersized guy? Where you're asking yourself, can he line up outside and 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 play outside for me, or is he, or is he strictly a slot guy? Like, where does this guy guy fit in the whole mix? I would expect in this draft, Nelly. Green Bay goes kind of bigger and stronger at wide receivers because I think they've got enough inside guys right now to, who can kind of man the slot. They've, they've got to kind of go big, uh, you know, go, go big in terms of their gamble, I think, and, and, and make a run at one of these big, strong outside guys. Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Robbie, so, I mean, I have to ask because it's what we've known since 2002. It's the trend. It's history. What, is there a scenario where they don't use a first-round pick to get a wide receiver, or is it just too glaring of a need? It's been, Javon Walker was the last one. To, it's the longest for any team since the Super Bowl merger for the draft. Like it's insane. Is there a chance? Are there more needs besides a wide receiver for the Packers that would you know make them, for lack of a better term, fumble a wide receiver in the first round? Can you imagine the fan base eight days from now, Evo, if? At pick twenty two, they take an offensive tackle, and pick twenty eight, they take a edge rusher or a safety. It'd be or more like crazy that. than when they passed on T.J. Watt. It, 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 yeah, absolutely. It'll be just as crazy as the night they took Jordan Love, right? <laughs> I mean, it'll it'll be that level of craziness where Gutekunst is walking out of the building, and you know, and and people are booing him on the way out and throwing things at his car. It'll. It, it, I, I don't think that's going to happen, Evo, but but the chance certainly exists. I mean, from from this standpoint, right? Let's let's say they don't trade for one of those wide receivers, and and they do what they tell you they always do. And for the most part, I, I think I think I think they're accurate, and I don't think they're lying, which is trust the board. And I, I, you asked Evo, do they have other glaring needs and, and issues and, and problems and questions? And, and the answer is definitely yes. They they need to replenish this offensive line depth. There, there's no doubt about that. They're, right now they're going to be banking on, on two guys coming off of devastating knee injuries, you know, their best two offensive linemen for the, for the last two or three seasons there with, with, with Jenkins and Bakhtiari, and, and there's certainly questions surrounding those guys. And, and then, then there's some, some questions, obviously, on the interior just because they've, they've taken some hits there, losing, you know, lo- losing guys like, like Lucas Patrick, and, and they lost Billy Turner and, and, and Dennis Kelly. As in, it doesn't appear, at least, that, that he's in their plans moving forward. So I expect them to take two or three offensive linemen as well, Evo, in this draft. And, and certainly one of them could come in, in that first round. And, and then, you know, a- after Preston Smith and, and Rashawn Gary at, at edge rusher, outside linebacker, Evo, that, that, that they they fall off the cliff in terms of talent and productivity. I mean they they've got to get another one. Does it have to be the first round? No, it, it could be later on in the draft where they go and find that number three. But but if the right guy is sitting on the board for him at pick twenty eight or pick twenty two, I mean don't be shocked if they go edge rusher with with one of those uh, one of those first round picks that they have today. You know when, when it's all said and done, Evo, my guess is they they go wide receiver and either offensive tackle or edge rusher in round one if they keep those picks um, and, and, don't, and don't move either one of them. And then they go back for another wide receiver in round two in whichever position they didn't get between tackle and edge rusher, they go back and, and hit in, in round two as well. So I think, you know, if they hold on to those four picks, Evo, 
They come out of it, you know, the, the, the two ones and the two twos. They come out of it with two wideouts, an edge rusher, and an offensive tackle. But I also fully expect them to, to move around the draft board, Evo. I mean, that, that's, been, yeah. that's kind of been the M.O. of, of Brian Gutekun since he took over. Uh, he, he has absolutely no problems. He's been bold, and he, and he likes to move uh, around the board on, on draft night, Evo, especially high up there in, in round one. And, and I think he's going to have to do it in this draft as well, kind of like we touched on at the start here to get one of those top three, four, five wide receivers. Right now, Robbie, I think we're, we're a week out. My ideal Packers draft for me right now has got to be Chris Olave and uh, Linderbaum out of Iowa. Hey, if you get that in round one, I, I think you're doing just, just <laughs> fine. I, 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 I wouldn't have a problem. I mean, I... Boy, I, I don't know a lot what the odds are Olave gets to you at, at twenty-two. You might you might have to trade one of those tools, right, Nelly, to get up and and get him probably in the, in the middle of that of that first round, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, because you know, kind of like I wrote this morning, guys. Every year we see this with a certain positional group, whether it's quarterbacks. A couple of years ago, it was defensive linemen. It's, it's been wide receivers at times. There is going to be a run where these guys just fly off the board. And from picks 13 to 20 or something like that, it wouldn't shock me, Nelly, if you saw five or six wide receivers go. You know, from from pick 10 to 17, you could see five or six wide receivers go, something like that. And, And what makes this draft so fascinating, guys, is just all these other teams with, with a couple of first-round draft picks, for the most part, need wide receivers, right? Kansas City down there with a couple first-rounders late in the draft. Um, I mean, and they've always been aggressive, and they've always been extremely clever. That That's such an extremely well-run franchise. Uh, you, you saw them jump ahead of people a couple of years ago when they, when, they, when they moved up for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, don't be shocked, guys, if Andy Reid takes both those first-round draft picks and, and moves up to number 11 or something like that to take Jamison Williams or whatever wide receiver he likes the most. You know, there, there's, all, there's all these other teams, the Jets, the Giants, the Lions, the yeah. Saints, the Eagles, that have these two first-round picks. And, and all these teams, guys, for the most part, need wide receivers as well. So, you know, Brian Gutekunst isn't going to be the only, only person calling somebody with the 14th pick or the 16th pick or whatever it is to go up and get his wide receiver. The Eagles are going to be calling as well. The Saints are going to be calling. The Lions are going to be calling, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, it's going to be really wild, guys, how, how all this plays out. And, it, and it's, guys, it, it's not going to be that easy for Gutekunst to move up and, and get guys if, 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 if there are guys he has targeted. One week away from the NFL draft, Robbie. Absolutely incredible. Can't wait to talk to you next Thursday as uh, you're going to be up in Green Bay covering it. That's going to be good stuff. Uh, before I let you go, my friend, how about that sweep for the Milwaukee Brewers? If you know it was against the Pirates, still take it. Feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> Evo, I, I said yesterday, Craig Council was the most relieved man at, at uh, AmFam Field when when uh, when Woody gave up the hit in the sixth because he didn't he, he didn't have to stress or think about when to take him out with that no hitter, right? It, uh, that, 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 that was going to turn into interesting viewing uh, at the time. Hey, hey, good, good, good for the Brewers. I mean, they'll they'll go sixteen and three against the Pirates like they do do every single year. I I, I want to see them start to beat some good teams. So, hey, Phillies. Well, I guess Phillies aren't really that good either. But we'll see what happens no, over the not. weekend, Robbie. We love you, brother. You the man. We'll talk next week for the day of the NFL draft. Good stuff, brother. All right, it, it, it lines up perfect when our segment is. Can't wait. Robbie, every, everything with you is perfect. See you, buddy.